You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. We hope that this podcast is a helpful resource in your daily walk with Christ. Now, here's today's sermon. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to pick up right where we left off this morning. Um, And I want to start by reading the first three verses for introduction, and then we will get into verses 4 through 14 uh, as we go. So, Matthew chapter 24, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all, the th- all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall be... Not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when, when, we, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world. Now, Jesus had wept, as we talked about this morning, Jesus had wept over the city of Jerusalem. Luke 19 tells us that. And then he walks out of the temple, and his disciples see him, Probably concerned about him because they had just seen Jesus weeping, probably weeping over the temple, probably uh, weeping over. They didn't know exactly why he was weeping, uh, but they they had all the, had seen all this and began to show him. They said, hey, "Let me let me show you the building of the temple." Now, why would they do that? It seemed odd to me when I first read this. Maybe they didn't understand why he was weeping, and they thought they could cheer him up by showing him the glory of this great building. Look at, I mean. Jerusalem's in greater shape than it's ever been. Jerusalem, we're in good condition. This is good. You remember, remember when the, the temple was smaller? Do you remember before Herod had built it up? And Man, I'm telling you what, we're in good condition. I've had people tell me, man, we as a human race and we as the human, uh, as a population of this earth, man, we are in the best shape we've ever been in. I don't mean shape. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with, with technology and all those things, man, things are so much better and they just didn't get it. And so I think that they were, they were saying, hey, let me show you what a great place this is, the place of our worship and how beautiful it is. Look how, look how big it is. They, they say that the stones that were there, they were, uh, they were unimaginable, unimaginable how heavy they are. Uh, I think some of them like 15, 18 feet long and, and just wide. And how did they move those things? It's just one of those marvels that we still don't completely comprehend how they did it. There's a lot of, a lot of ideas. But look how perfect they say that they were. They would fit so perfectly together. They were they were hewn out of stone so precisely, and so they saw that. And they probably thought, "Look how beautiful the white stones are, uh, that they glisten in the sunlight. Look at the gold plated stones and the timbers that make up the roof." To them, there was nothing worth weeping about. The temple is standing, so there's always hope. That's I think the way that they felt. The temple is standing, so there's always hope. And then Jesus throws some wire on their water on their fire and says this whole thing is going to be thrown down not a single stone will be left on another in its place and jesus was right we know that in AD 70 the roman uh, legion the roman group of soldiers that titus led they came in and they conquered the city and as they were doing that uh titus saw the temple and titus's plan was to they say history tells us that it was to preserve the temple but many of the jews were were leaving and they were hiding from the siege and uh, they, they hid in this big, strong building, this big stone building of the temple. Uh, history, or, or legend anyway, tells us that one of Titus's men shot a flaming arrow into the temple, 
and all of the non-stone structure burned down. So what that meant was all the gold that was plating things. All that gold melted and it flowed down between the stones. Titus had his men disassemble every stone of the temple proper to retrieve this gold, this gold that had seeped down in between the stones. What stands today and what we know of as the western wall was the outer perimeter wall. It was not a part of the temple proper. The part of the temple proper that Jesus was talking about, none of it exists anymore. And none of it, it was gone by, by the end of that year. Our text begins what we know as the Olivet Discourse. In this chapter and the next chapter, they teach, they teach of the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And his disciples asked him two different questions. In verse number three, they asked him, tell us, when shall these things be? In other words, when is the temple going to be thrown down? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? They really asked three questions there. And the, the first question, uh, all these questions have to do with what they thought was probably one event. Like, when is the temple going to come down? Because when that temple comes down, that's the end of the world. That's what they probably thought. And so they asked him one question, but really there was three questions. Or they asked him two, but really it was three. One is about the destruction of the temple. When is that going to happen? The second is about the signs of the Lord's return. And the third is about the end of the world. Now this text, this discourse, as we call it, can be a difficult one to comprehend. And certainly many good men have seen these things differently. If you read a commentary on... This on the Olivet Discourse, and then you read another commentary, they're probably going to be different. They're probably going to have different views. So which one is right? I'm about to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm certainly going to tell you what I believe and what I think this text is talking about. Um, but I do understand that there are many good men who had the best of intentions who disagree on this. Now, the context of the book, the context of Scripture, the context of this passage must be considered as we attempt to understand what Jesus is saying. If you don't take the context of Scripture uh, to, um, to understand what's being said here, you're going to get confused and you're going to find something somewhere else that doesn't line up with this. Now, one thing we should also consider is that the Olivet Discourse is spoken to a Jewish audience primarily and deals with the future of the Jewish people. I don't think that this is about the rapture specifically, although the rapture must be considered in this conversation, probably more so in next Sunday morning's passage. I believe tonight's passage is mostly about the tribulation period and the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Okay? Now, if, if as Baptists, and most Baptists believe this, there are some that differ on this, uh, we believe, we as a church, we believe in the pre-tribulational pre rapture of the church, that Jesus is going to come in the clouds, that can be at any time, any moment, Nothing else has to occur for that to happen. Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and he's going to rapture or, or catch away his church. He's going to catch, catch away all those, um, his church, all those who were saved will go. Everybody that is known, that, is a, that has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will go at that moment. Then comes the seven years of tribulation, divided into three parts. We'll talk about that in a moment. And at the end of the tribulation period is what we know as the second coming of Jesus. Now, we think of... The rapture is the second coming, but that's maybe the first part of the second coming. But the second coming of Christ to this earth will happen at the end of the tribulation period. Then we'll have the millennial reign. So I want to look at this. I want to try to understand this. I want us to uh, not only understand. We want to understand every detail, don't we? It's within us, or at least I do. I want to understand everything that's being said here. And sometimes we may 
not. I don't think any of us are going to get to heaven and God's going to go, you had it all right, nobody else did. Okay? Um, so we want to understand it, but I think more importantly, we want to understand what is he trying to teach us. Okay? So let's look at verse number four. The Bible says this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall, many be, uh, then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and many and this shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of money shall wax many of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, if you are like me and you say, okay, I understand pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture. Uh, there are some people that believe in a mid-trib rapture and some that believe in a post-trib, pre-millennial, and some that are post-millennial and some that are amillennial. Um, they believe we're already in the millennial reign. Uh, we, there are people who, who see that differently. But if you're like me, um, and I do believe what I just told you, I do believe that's the truth. Um, but you read this and you go, well, that's confusing because I thought this was going to happen before the rapture. And I thought this part was going to happen during the tribulation period. And I thought this part was going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. So I want to look at this and understand that I believe verses four through eight are teaching us about the first half of the tribulation period. Daniel chapter nine, verse 27 tells us that there will be two halves of the tribulation period, each one being three and a half years. Jesus said, these things are the beginning of sorrows. I believe what he's saying is that these are, this is just the, the start of it. This is the beginning of it. Uh, it is going to get worse. This is just the beginning of sorrows. And I believe he's talking here about the first half of the tribulation period. Some of these events are already taking place, right? We can say, man, I've heard of wars and rumors of wars. Does that mean we're in the tribulation period? There's always been wars and rumors of wars, hasn't it? Um, what what this doesn't say is that those it doesn't say that those will start during the tribulation period. It says during the tribulation period those things will be happening. Now that doesn't mean they can't begin to happen now, but I do believe that during the tribulation period those things will increase. We will find I believe find more wars and more rumors of wars. However, rumors of wars right now do not mean that we are in the tribulation period or that it's going to happen tomorrow. But it could. If the Lord raptures us out today, the tribulation period begins tomorrow. So uh, many will claim to be Christ. Many will be deceived by those claiming to be the Christ. They'll convince others that he's returned. And people will follow him, then they will obey him. We have seen that many times, but it's also going to happen during the tribulation period. We've seen people sell everything they have and go down to Waco, Texas, or down to uh, Jonestown, or all these places. And we've seen people that have been deceived by these, these false Christ. Now, why is it then important that we understand this? Are we wasting our time to study this? Because we don't believe it. We're not going to fall for a, faith, for a false Christ. And I really truly believe that, that we won't. Now, does it matter? What does it hurt if I have a wrong view of the end times? You say, well, listen, okay, you know, I don't think it really matters what you believe about that. 
Well, I think Jesus told us because he wants us to know, although he did not make it simple, maybe at times. But a partial understanding or a false understanding will lead men and women to make terrible, ungodly choices. Well, you know what? We're already in the tribulation period. I guess it's going to get bad, and I guess I don't have to worry about this or I don't have to worry about that. We need to understand as much as we can, even about eschatology or the end times. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, I believe it will, false, it will be increased. But Jesus said, don't be fooled. These things do not mean the end has come. Right? So the end is not yet. So he's saying just because there's wars and rumors of wars doesn't mean it's the end. So again, I believe here he's talking about the first part of the tribulation. He goes on to tell about uh, major, probably worldwide wars, famines, diseases, earthquakes all over the earth. Uh, but he says, but the end is not yet. I'm certain during COVID, some people were saying, man, the Lord, I'm telling you, we must be in the tribulation period. Or it, this is leading to it. Paul and the disciples thought that Jesus was coming during their time. I don't know when he's going to come. And I believe the reason he didn't tell us, and I'll probably say this next Sunday morning, but I believe the reason he didn't tell us is because he wants us to live every day knowing that it could be today. Now, he says these are just the beginning of sorrows. And then verses 9 through 14 seem to me to refer to the second part of the tribulation. In verse 21, Jesus refers to this three-and-a-half period, three-and-a-half-year period as great tribulation. We'll get there, but he says, for then shall be great tribulation. I believe he's talking about there the second part of the tribulation that we call the great tribulation. Now, the trouble for the Jewish people will increase to the point that they are hated, that they're being killed. Once again, false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Sin will abound for many. And people who do not have the love of Christ will fade away, demonstrating their lack of true faith. I believe that that's when the the, the love of many will wax cold. I believe that it shows truly who they are. It's not about them losing their salvation but it is about the truth being revealed. But there will be some that will remain faithful to their Savior until the end. Now in verse 13 he says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I don't believe saved there means what we use the word saved um, uh, commonly. I I don't think it's talking about a spiritual redemption or eternal redemption to God, but that that they will make it through the tribulation period. Now, during the tribulation period, the gospel will go throughout all the world, and the end will come. Sometimes we think nobody's going to be saved in the tribulation period. I believe there will be at least 144,000 Jews that are going to be saved during the tribulation period. Um, there will be, and, and will other people be saved during the tribulation period? I believe it's possible. Um, uh, and I, I, think, I think that's the case. But they will not be people, you will not be able to be saved during the tribulation period. That's what I believe. Okay? Um, if, you, if you've heard the gospel and you have rejected it. Now, verses 4 through 14, then, they can be loosely applied to the time from Christ's ascension to the rapture of the church. There are people that believe that what Jesus is talking about there is what we live in now, the time from his ascension to the rapture of the church. That was called the church age. And I think you can loosely apply it to that, that, it, that those things are a shadow of the events that come. But at, these become even greater, uh, greater reality during the tribulation. Now look at verse 15. When ye, shall, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let, let him which is on the housetop not come down or to take anything out of this house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child 
and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world uh, of the world to this time, nor, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So here in these verses, in 15 to 22, we see the signs of the great tribulation. In verse 15, Jesus turns to the topic of the signs of the great tribulation. That, that means, that here's what it means, or here's how we know that it has arrived. Now, Daniel in chapter 9, verse 27, I mentioned it earlier, but let me read it to you. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, the week being seven-year period, that's the Daniel 70 weeks, right? Now, uh, in the midst of this week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until, until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, he specifically tells us that there will be an abomination of desolation and that will replace the daily sacrifice. Uh, everybody's waiting for the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. The temple does not need to be rebuilt in Jerusalem before the rapture of the church. The temple, But it will be rebuilt before the three and a half year period, I believe. And so they will rebuild the, the, uh, the, the, the temple and then what Jesus is saying here is that at the end or at the point where you see the abomination of desolation told about in Daniel chapter 11, that that will be the beginning of the great tribulation. He says there, um, let them, uh, let me see here. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. He says then... Uh, he, he said in verse number 21, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. So he's telling us that there is going to be this great tribulation period that's going to be uh, set in place, begun in place by the abomination of desolation. In other words, the temple is going to be rebuilt. They're going to resume sacrifice on the altar there, but the Antichrist is going to stop that and then the abomination of desolation, probably some type of idol will be placed on the altar, uh, is my understanding of that. Now, he also tells us in verse 16 through verse 21 that their great tribulation is something to run from. Now, Jesus is telling his people, he's talking to the Jewish people, remember that, because um, I won't be here for this. Okay? So, um, I won't be here. My old pastor, Brother Smith, he told me one day, he said, he said Stephen, if the Lord comes again, if he comes tomorrow, you can have my office. Um, I don't think that was very nice. Uh, I, I won't be here for that. Now, Jesus is telling his people that they don't want to be anywhere near the temple during this time. Leave everything behind. Grab your children. And he says, pray that it's not winter and it's not the Sabbath day. You don't want to be fleeing during those times. Verse 22, by the grace of God, this will not continue long. What a great encouragement for those Jewish people. They say, wait, he's talking to his disciples. They already died. How are they going to go through the Great Tribulation? He's talking to them as Jewish people. That this is what is coming. And he says, at the end of those three and a half years, Jesus will come back and, the, and will end the Tribulation. Why? He does it for the elect's sake. He says, that's going to be enough. For your sake. He says, if I don't come back, then you are going to be destroyed. You won't make it through. But out of his grace and his mercy for the elect, he will come back and, and end the Tribulation period. Verse 23, 
Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So here he says, he's telling us, do not be deceived. Now there will be those that are saved during the tribulation period, and there will be false Christ. And they will be so convincing, you and I, he, he says, if it were possible, for those elect that are alive during that time, he says, if it be possible, they would even be deceived. So that tells me that he's not going to make it possible. But it would be so good that if God didn't protect them from the deceit, that they would, have had, that they would believe it. He's, people try to convince you that Jesus is here. Don't believe it. He's in the desert. He's not there. If he's in the chamber, no, he's not there. He, and here's what I think he's saying. You're going to know when he arrives. I, I, I don't, you know, the last time Jesus came, he came humbly. He came in a, he, he came in a manger. He came to a, a lowly family. He came in a lowly estate. And, I, and people, people didn't know it was him. And many people reject him. I believe the next time he comes, you're going to know. They're going to know. Uh, when, when he comes in the clouds to take us away, to rapture away his, his saints, we're going to know. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. But when he comes at the second coming, we're coming back with him. That's, what's, that, that's amazing, isn't it? That for seven years, we're going to be with him. We're going to be in his, his presence, and we're going to be worshiping him, and it's going to be amazing. Now, if you go before the tribulation... If you're not raptured, you're going to worship him from that time until the end of the tribulation. And then he's bringing us back to this earth to rule and reign with him uh, on this earth. What an exciting thing to, to look forward to. Now, verse 28, he says, where the dead carcass is, then you can be sure scavengers are going to be there. Uh, that's where the eagles go. Eagle, we think of eagles as these great majestic birds because it's the national symbol of our country. Uh, but they're just like uh, the other birds that are just scavengers, right? They're they're just uh, they're 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 looking for meat. They're looking for your rabbit in your yard. They're looking for your dog or your cat. They are uh, scavengers. They'll take and they'll eat whatever they can. So he says, listen, when there is a dead carcass, you can be sure the scavengers will be there. In other words, when the time is right, Jesus and judgment will come. When you see these things happening, he's going to come, and there won't be any question. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So here we see the second coming of Christ. Again, the second coming of Christ could be in two parts, if you want to look at it that way, when he comes in the clouds for us. But the second coming of Christ that we're talking about here is when he comes to the earth. That will be his second time coming to the earth. Now, right as the tribulation ends, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us the celestial skies will be put in a turmoil. And, uh, but we must assume it's organized turmoil, if that makes sense. That it's not just random. God has a plan, and God is orchestrating all of it together. Then, we, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And he's going to gather all those that have been saved during the tribulation period with he and his returning church. 
I'm thankful I won't be experiencing those things. I'm so thankful that God has promised that when uh, when He comes back, I'm going with Him. Well, we'll someday I've, I'd love to go into First and Second Thessalonians and preach through those. We have a lot of, uh, especially rapture talk in in those. Uh, I'm so thankful to know that when His when 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 it's time, and, and God and, the, and God the Father says to His Son, "Son, go get your bride," and He's coming for me, and I'm going to be in heaven with Him. And I will never have to suffer through these things. Many will, though. So why does it matter that we know this? Well, people will make decisions, wrong decisions, based on their view of eschatology. And so it's important that we understand. Next Sunday morning, I will continue in the Olivet Discourse, and we will we'll continue with verse number 32. Um, and, we'll, and then verse chapter 25 also deals with the Olivet Discourse and the end times. And so it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks as we go through those things. Thank you for joining us today on the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about First Baptist Church, visit us online at fbchazelpark.com.